Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Uh, if Jesus is dead, we're wasting our time. If Jesus was still dead, we'd be wasting our time. Amen? That's a fact. But he is alive. Amen? We have someone to pray to. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we pray and start, um, I've been, we've been doing a series on prayer all year, and we don't pray unless we're asking for something that we can't do. And one of the things that I've been praying for is a revival, not only in our church, but in our city and in our country. And so next Sunday, after the 6 o'clock service, our 6 o'clock service, our young adult ministry is kind of trying to take that over in all the campuses. So we're going to have a meeting after 6 o'clock service next Sunday. Uh, and we're going to start with the young people. Everybody's invited, but if you're under 35, you want to come. We want to ignite a revival uh, and we're going to start with that group because we can have meetings after every other service. But we're going to start with that group. And I want to invite all y'all who are under 35 to come. Let's stop playing around. Amen? Let's be very serious about God um, transforming our city. We'll worry, he'll worry about the country later. We're going to start right here in, this, in our church and in our city and our county. Uh, but we have to have a common meeting of the mind that that's what we're going to do. And we're not just going to go to church. We're going to really pray for a, a supernatural outpouring like this so people can't get in. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we, we pay the same money. We pay the same money for these seats whether people are in them or not. It's a stewardship issue. It's a stewardship. It's a management issue. God gave us an opportunity to have church. And an empty seat is a lost opportunity as a person. And so that's on all of us all day long. And so we're going to start next, next Sunday, um, and I want to challenge you to come. We're going to have service, obviously, and then after service. I'm going to share my testimony next week uh, um, uh, from start to finish, and I, I kind of gave it in pieces, but the pastor said, you need to tell the whole story. We'll do that next week. Uh, but after that, we're going to have a meeting in all the campuses, so I want to challenge you to come. Amen? Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for rising from the dead. Thank you that the tomb's empty. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. We exalt you. We adore you. We magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. Hey, can we give a round of applause to all the dancers and actors and all that? Amen. 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 Uh, let's see your Bibles on three. One, two, three, say word. word. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. When I was growing up, uh, the, my favorite ba basketball player was Michael Jordan. And, you know, he is definitely arguably one of the greatest ever. And some will say the greatest, but it's hard to compare different positions. However, he was definitely up there. And three days ago, LeBron James broke one of his records uh, by uh, scoring 10 or more points in 867 straight games. And LeBron's 33 years old. If you don't know LeBron's whole, told the story, he came out of high school, went straight to the NBA, did not go to college, um, which is fine. I'm, I'm not down. I'm just saying, brother said, I, I'm just going straight. And, and he's been awesome. He's 33 years old, which in... NBA doggy years, he's old. <laughs> but the general consensus, including himself, is that he's playing the best basketball of his life. He's saying, I, this is me at my best. 
Everyone say, me at my best. <laughs> when was Jesus at his best? <laughs> when was Jesus at his best? I want to go through um, Jesus' uh, history of activity, not only his life, because a lot of times we think of Jesus uh, starting at Mary, but really Jesus is an eternal God. And so he's always been around and he's been active, active in the Bible since Genesis 1-1 from creation. And as I go through the things that Jesus did, I want you to be thinking not only when was he at his best, but I want you to be listening for the voice of God to speak to you today about something in your life. Every time you come to church, every time you hear a sermon on the radio, whatever, or, or, or online, or wherever you listen to it, or on television, I want you to be asking God, speak to me about my life and to be ready to write it down. So if you got a pen or, or however you write, take notes, I want you to be ready to write it down so you can record what God says to you about something I'm going to talk about. Can I get an amen? Because he doesn't want to speak to you if you're not going to listen. Matter of fact, um, a lot of times God will not tell you the second thing until you've listened to the first thing. And you're asking for step three, and he's saying, you haven't listened to step one. So if he tells you something, just write it down. He's probably going to be in a very few words, but write it down. Can I get amen? Okay. I think Jesus was at his best in creation. That in creation, in the beginning, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, God being Elohim, plural God. And he says, let us make man out. And so the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Jesus was involved in creation. And the Bible says they created the light, the darkness, the land, the seas, the fish, the birds, the bees, the, the creeping things, uh, the land animals. And, and after every day of creation, he said it was good. And I think that God already said it. I'm good. And everything's good. And then he was, it was done. I think that was God, Jesus, at his best. If you, go to the, if you go to the mountains today, if you go to the ocean today, whatever man hasn't touched, it's beautiful and perfecto. The desert, the snow, the trees, the ocean, except the part of the ocean that has all the trash floating in it, other than that, because that's what we did. But everything else is beautiful. Can I get an amen? Every, after every day, he said it was good. I think that God was at his best. Nope. I think he was at his best after he made man and woman, because after he made man and woman, he said it was very good. And he made a man, and he wasn't done. He said, that's a dirt bag, because I made him out of dirt. Now i got to make a woe man. And then he made a woe. <laughs> there's about a thousand ladies went. I knew that was the problem. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> but then he made woe man and he says, he says, Adam and Eve, make babies. G fellas, that's a good God. That's a good God. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, Adam, you got a choice. You can go to that woman or that tree. I'm thinking, oh, really? <laughs> I don't need to pray about it. Okay, let me pray about it. Okay, thank you, woman. Okay. And, and, and then he said it was very good. And by the way, there was a, a man and a woman. He said, I want you to populate the earth. And all you have to do is avoid that tree. Good, good deal. That's a great deal. No drama, no sin, no jealousy, no envy, no death, no adultery, nothing. Everything is perfecto. And then he said, it was very good. He could stop right there. I think that's when he was at his best. Can I get an amen? Nope. I think he was at his best in the Old Testament where he created the nation of Israel. He picked, uh, uh, selected Abraham, told Abraham, I'll go to a place I'm going to show you. Told Abraham at 100 years old he had a baby, which was pretty cool. And he, and he said, you're going to have a baby at 100 years old and your wife's going to be 90. And Sarah laughed. And, and the Lord said, no, you're going to have a baby. And she had a baby. And then they said, sacrifice that baby. And then he saved the baby. And then he had a son. And then had another son. Named that son Israel. 
grew into a nation. They went into slavery. He spoke to Moses from the fire. Moses says, what's your name? He says, I am that I am. And then he led the Jews out of the promised land by plagues on Egypt. He led them through a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke 40 years in the wilderness. I think that's when he was at his best. In the Old Testament, when he was just doing miracle after miracle after miracle, water out of a rock, fire from heaven. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fire. They were three Jewish boys, and they were challenged by a, a, a pagan king. If you don't bow to my idol, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they say, we are not going to bow. So they turned the furnace up seven times, the heat. And these three Jewish boys says, we're not going to bow. If it was me, I'm coughing or something. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm scratching my leg or something because I don't want to get thrown in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they said, we're not bowing. And, and they tied him up and they threw him in the fire. And right as they were throwing him in the fire, God the Father called his angels and told them to go down and save them. He said, Gabriel, Michael, Tito, Jermaine, Latoya, get down there and help them. <laughs> they got thrown in the fire. And the Bible says the angels of the Lord went in the fire. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord with a capital A in the Old Testament, that's Jesus. Jesus got, jumped in the fire with them. I think that's when he was at his best, when he was, just, he was just doing miracles, like crazy miracles. Nope. I think he was at his best during his first 30 years of life, where the Bible says he never sinned. Just think about it. 12 years old, he's in the temple arguing with the religious leaders. He's in high school. All the honeys are trying to get his number. Because he was, out of, all, out of all the kids, he had perfect wisdom, so he understood wis women, which is, is required to understand women. You have to have perfect wisdom from heaven. Because <laughs> y'all are complicated. <laughs> Can I get an amen, ladies? Yeah. Amen. Fellas, we're not that complicated. We're like rocks. It's like, you know, real, real simple. If you go to a high school, and, and, and I, I don't want to get, I don't have a lot of time, but let me just go a little diversion here. If you go to a high school and see girls in a group, they'll be talking all at the same time, and they can comprehend five conversations at one time. Can I get an amen, ladies? You go to a group of dudes, this is how the group of dudes talk. They're just all standing like this. And then one dude will go, <laughs> Five minutes later, after trying to process what caveman is, he's like, brother, and then they walk away. That's it. That's how it. It's, it's, it's just a different. It's a different intelligence. It's a different evolution level. It's just like, you know, it's just a different thing. So, so uh, uh, Jesus was thirty years. He was the perfect son. He was a perfect classmate. He's a perfect businessman. He was fully insured in his carpentry business. He never, had a, he never had a false claim that, didn't, that he didn't defeat. All his chairs, none of them broke. All his tables were perfect. All his returns, it was like Costco. To bring it back, I'll give you another one. He was, he, was, he was a perfect businessman. And he never sinned, never offended anybody. I think that's when he was at his best because he was just a guy. He hadn't been revealed yet as a son of man, but yet he was perfect. I think that's when he was at his best. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. Temptation tried to lure him. There were girls saying, Jesus. And he was like, nah. I ain't going down like that. <laughs> he never, never succumbed to the temptation. I think that's when he was at his best. He can identify with all the stuff we deal with. Nope. I think he was at his best during his three years of ministry when he was doing miracles. Healing the blind, the mute, the deaf, the cripple. 
A woman had a blood flow for 12 years. She tried to spend all her money. She did spend all her money to try to get healed, and no doctor could heal her. And she came up behind him and just touched his clothes, and she, and she was healed. A blind guy came up to him and said, will you, will you heal me? He spit in the ground, made mud with his spit, and put it in her eyes, and he, in his eyes, and said, go wash your face in the pool, and then come back. He said, I'm going to come back and find you for spitting in my eye. He went and washed his face. <laughs> he went, went and washed his face, and all of a sudden he could see. That was when he was at his best, when he was walking around destroying the works of the devil, demonstrating the kingdom of God. Why? Because he was a kingdom warrior and he was doing all these miracles, walking on water. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's when he was at his best. Can I get an amen? Nope. He was absolutely at his best when he died. If he would have never died for us, we would not have forgiveness. If he would have never died without complaining, without defending himself. If he would have never lived a sinless life to make his death good enough and qualified his death to be payment for our sin, there would be no salvation, there would be no Christianity, and we would have no hope of ever being forgiven. So it had to be when this God man who was perfect, sinless, allowed sinful man to kill him without him defending himself because he could easily just blink his eye and kill everybody who was trying to kill him. But he surrendered himself even to sinful men. That had to be when he was at his best. Can I get an amen? amen. Nope. <laughs> you haven't figured out. If I say amen, now it's going to be a note coming. I think he was at his best when he rose from the dead. Can I get an amen on that one? <clears throat> of course. This is Easter. We are celebrating the resurrection. Of course, there has to be when he, was, when he was at his best. Why? Because no other religious leader rose from the dead. They all talked about it. I shouldn't even say they all talked about it. They didn't even talk about it because they knew that was not realistic. And, but his resurrection from the dead is the one thing that secures us eternal life. Because everything he was doing, he was saying, you can do this. When he healed people, he said, I'm doing this so you can do it. When he prayed for people to be healed or encouraged, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm just showing you an example. When he was confronted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, he confronted the devil by using the word of God. Why? Because he was saying, here's how you fight the devil with the word of God. Everything he was doing, he was doing an example. But when he rose from the dead, he was saying, this is the hope that I'm giving you. Eternal life. Every single one of us have eternity in us. We know there's something after death. I've never done a funeral, whether it be for a believer or a non-believer. Never done a funeral for a believer or a non-believer where they thought the person was in hell. Never, never did they go, well, kind of Uncle Bobo might not made it. I don't know. <laughs> brother was a wild brother. No, they always said, well, he's in a better place. I'm like, how do you know? It's what we hope. Why? Because God put eternity in us. And then when he rose from the dead, he said, not only did I secure victory over death for you, I'm living an example for you because you too, if you believe in me, will rise from the dead like I did. It is the greatest event in the history of the world. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on now. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, it says, verse 1, Matthew 28, it says, After the Sabbath and the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Uh, there are many evil, there are many names for evil spirits. There's a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of anxiety. There's a spirit of, is a lying spirit, but there's a spirit of fear. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's the name that the devil has given them. It is symbolic of their activity. And if you think of the times that you are fearful of something because of what's something in your head, you're anxious, you're fearful, you're nervous, you're worrying because of something that often never happens. But it's just, there's something going on in your head that's telling you fear this, fear that, fear that. There's a spirit of fear that's intimidate you. God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. Giving you a spirit of sonship. Now, fear in and of itself is, 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 is fine because if you're going into a, a scary place, it's natural to fearful a scary place. But sometimes we fear things that don't even happen, that don't even exist. It's our imagination. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an activity of demonic spirits that tell us to fear. The angel said, don't fear. Everyone say, don't fear. God does not want you to live in fear. He wants you to live in anticipation that he's going to bless you and love you and that he has your back. And it says here, he says in verse 4, the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. And the angels of the Lord said, do not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And in verse 6, it says, he is not here, he is risen. Everybody say, he is risen. Yes. Say, he is risen. Yes. And then it says, just like he said. If he could keep that promise... What promise can he keep? This is Jesus at his best, conquering death and giving us the assurance that not only does he love us enough to die for us, but that he's powerful enough to overcome death and to deliver us from any bondage we're in. Can I get amen? This is Jesus at his best. That is what we are celebrating and honoring and are participating in today. Come on now, church. Say Jesus at his best. Say Jesus at his best. Nope. <laughs> That's not him at his best. I think Jesus at his best was in John 21. Go to John 21. Jesus was at his best when he forgave Peter for denying him. After all, the whole reason he died and rose was for that reason. Three times Peter denied him. Curse with curses. Can you imagine going to In-N-Out or whatever restaurants near your house, wherever you're watching around the world, and all the campuses want to welcome all the campuses? And you're sitting there eating your double-double. Someone comes and says, hey, I see you got your Easter suit on. You just come from church? Hey, I just came from church. You go to rock church, huh? You believe in Jesus? Nah, nah, uh, it was just Easter. I just went on Easter. That's a... <laughs> nah, nah, you're a Christian, right? Nah, 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 I'm not a Christian. My, my girlfriend wanted me to go because it's Easter. <laughs> no, I, I saw you at church and then you start cursing. I don't follow that blankety blank blank. And then you look over the other side of in and out and there's Jesus eating a double-double looking at you. Then he passes the fries to the disciples and they all eat. <laughs> That's what Peter did. He said, I don't know that blankety blank. After three years of ministry, how many times do you curse Jesus' name by your attitude, by your actions? And look what he did after he rose from the dead and saw Peter, 
the disciple who betrayed him. Chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when he had eaten, John 21, 15, when he had eaten breakfast, this is after he rose from the dead, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. You know what he said to Peter? Peter, I know you denied me. I know you cursed my name three times. Matter of fact, I told you it was going to happen. And you swore it would never happen, and you did it. But you know what? I'm good. Let's forget about it and move on. This was Jesus at his best. Not only did I forgive you, I need you to feed my lamb, my people. I need you to pastor my people. I need you to preach the word. And then he says in verse 16, he said a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. I want you to take care of them. And he said a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it a third time. And notice that Peter denied him three times and three times he asked him that he love him. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is Jesus at his best. Forgiving Peter for denying him and restoring him to a place of leadership in his ministry because he had invested three years in him knowing now after three years of training him, he was ready even though he cursed his name. That was Jesus at his best. Can I get an amen? amen. Nope. <laughs> Matthew 11. This is absolutely Jesus at his best. And you know that because we're running out of time. <laughs> Jesus at his best is when you, in your darkest hour, cry out to him and you say to him, God, I've turned my back on you my whole life. I've prayed prayers to you so many times, broken my promises. I live in contradiction to what I know to be true. Can you forgive me? And he says, absolutely. All that other stuff is true and amazing. But what good does it do you if all you do is know it in your head? Truth be told, Jesus is never better one day than the other because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So everything he did and does is awesome. However, what makes the difference is when it impacts your life. It wants to go from your head to your heart. Look what it says in Matthew 28, Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me. Everyone say, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Say amen if you are carrying some burden in your life. Here's what God says. Come on. Just come to me. And Peter was in the boat with the disciples. They were on the sea and the storm was raging all night and they thought they were going to drown. The boat was going up and down. They were trying to row, row, row against the wind. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. Now, you may have seen some people walk like this before. That comes from this story because as Jesus was walking on the waves, he was bobbing up and down. <laughs> you guys don't read the Bible. Y'all don't read the Bible. <laughs> Matter of fact, next time you see someone walking like that, you should go up to them and say, hey, brother, I know where that came from. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Matthew 14. You should read it. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, huh? Here's Jesus walking on the water and disciples are in the boat and, and they start crying out and they see Jesus on the water and they think it's a ghost. Yeah, it's a ghost. We're going to drown. It's a ghost. And Jesus says, hold on, hold on. It's me. And Peter stands up and says, Lord, if it's really you, call me so I can walk on the water. So here's Jesus standing on the water. He just kind of waves are going up and down. He's just standing there right going on the water. And the boat's going up and down. And Peter stands up in the boat and he says, Lord, call me if it's you. And Jesus says, you want to come to me? He says, yes, please call me. If you're the Lord, call me. He says, you want to come to me? He says, yes. Okay, first, Peter, you got to go get a degree. Go read the whole Bible. And you got to cut your hair. Uh, you got to stop smoking cigarettes. Cigarettes won't send you to hell. They just make you smell like you've been there. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> Don't be offended, just smell your clothes. <laughs> Don't trip. Okay. It's not good for your health anyway, but that, you, that's between you and God. He said, look, look, he said, look, look, uh, you got to do all that. You got to get rid of the tattoos, change your music, stop cursing, fix up your life, and then, Peter, you can come to me. That's not what he said. Nope. You know what he said? Come on. We had this saying when we were little, you feel froggy, jump. You, you want to step out? Step out. Peter stepped out the boat. Started walking on the water. He's walking at Jesus. There was no requirement other than he believed. But then when he got distracted with the wind and the waves and the rain and the fact that he was walking on water, and the fact that he was doing the impossible, his mind kicked in. He started to think and reason and think, I'm not supposed to be able to be on water. When you walk with God, you're going to do things you can't do in the natural. And he started to sink and Jesus grabbed his hand and then they stepped in the boat. Jesus grabbed him. <laughs> think about that. He pulls him into the boat and he's standing on water himself. He pulls him in the boat and he says to Peter, you a little faith. Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm sitting in the boat going, he has little faith? What about me? You got no faith. <laughs> it doesn't take faith to come to church on Easter. Some people come out of fear. Well, I, I, I got to go to Easter. If I don't go to Easter, I'm definitely going to go to hell. So, you know, where do you want to go, honey? How about the Rock Church? Okay, whatever. It don't take faith. What takes faith is stepping out of your comfort zone. Because Jesus did all that he did to give you an opportunity to step out of your old life into a new life. In a minute, we're going to pray. There's two groups of y'all. There's some of y'all here who have never given your life to Jesus Christ, and there's some of y'all in here who have, but you're trusting in something else. Your money, your job, your good looks. You're not walking by faith. It's not all his yet. This prayer is for you too. So I'm going to ask all the people on all the campuses to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, the tomb is empty. We are so excited. But we want to do more than celebrate that empty tomb. We want to participate in the eternal life that it represents. If you would like to step out of your boat, whether it be for salvation, or you know God is calling you to more, he's saying, let's go. I want 
to take you to another level. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I trust you. I trust that you died for me, that you rose from the dead. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I'm ready to step out of the boat. If you prayed that prayer, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up. There may be somebody you came with that you want to stand with you. I'm going to ask you just to grab their hand and squeeze it. And by squeezing it, you're asking them to stand with you. So if you prayed that prayer because you want to give your life to Jesus or you're just saying, I want to get out of my boat because I've been probably one of those people that in my own way cursed Jesus' name through my disobedience, through my gossip, through my lack of faith. I want to be faithful. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand in all the campuses. If you want someone to stand with you to encourage you just squeeze their hand, tap their shoulder. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer on all the campuses, on the micro sites, just stand to your feet. One, two.